this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. As we continue in Christmas time, there are many traditional readings that we do each and every year. And today we will be discussing, don't worry, the Magi and their trip to see Christ. But uh, we'll also be looking at Colossians 3. But I've noticed that in the years since we've had social media, whether you think of it as a blessing or a curse, uh, we have seen a variety of controversies and arguments that come up inevitably each year around Christmas. Should you go out, go all out on presents or keep it simple? I don't know, but I bet someone will let you know their opinion under the picture of your Christmas tree. Should you travel for, uh, for Christmas or should you stay close to family and exchange gifts? No matter what, someone on your picture from Disney World is going to have an opinion on that very thing. But I would say the largest and most constant argument that I see when it comes to social media around the holidays is New Year's resolutions. Even I must admit to rolling my eyes when I see people who make a really big deal out of their New Year's resolutions. Whether it's a very long and detailed post about some changes they're going to make or a series of week one gym pictures or a vague, I'm taking a break from social media for a while. I think we have all seen these types of posts. And there's a never ending list. Now, I have to admit, one of my great flaws in life is my tendency to scoff at things from time to time. I honestly sometimes think I'm too cool for certain things that everybody really enjoys. But I think it makes perfect sense, now that I think about it, to begin to improve yourself at the new year. When you think about what we do as people, we enjoy marking time, both physical mementos like... um, pictures from trips or knickknacks that you get from vacations, and ones based around time. Who doesn't love celebrating their birthday or anniversaries? And of course, the beginning of the year. It makes perfect sense. And it's the perfect time to ask ourselves, where are we going? The Messiah is here. Christmas is over. The presents are wrapped. The days are officially getting longer. I think I saw Bill Thomas tap dancing when that happened. And the year is turning over, so it makes for the perfect time to sit back and reflect. Who do I want to be this year? Where do I want to go? What is something I want to add or take away from my life? For most of us, these aren't life-changing decisions. Most of us aren't going to sell all of our possessions and move to the desert, though over the last couple months that has been more and more tempting to me each and every day. For most of us, it looks like small changes, like cutting back on sweets or alcohol, or finally using that YMCA membership that's been coming out of your account each and every month. And every time you do it, you say, I'm going to go. This, maybe now's the time to start that back. These aren't huge revelations, but often they're reminders. They are reminders of things that we let go throughout the year. In all the stress and the busyness of our last couple of months, We tend not to take care of ourselves too well. 
Around the first week of December after I came back from my Thanksgiving holiday in Florida, I really felt the year catch up to me. The general stresses of the holiday in the church world and then, of course, our terrible disaster that happened in our community with the tornado. I said, I can't, I can't do it. I can't keep to my strict diet. I can't keep to my exercise regimen. I can't, I can't do it. I can't be mentally and emotionally healthy and keep that up. So I took a break. I needed to use my energy in taking care of myself and, or, and let myself enjoy a few things while I handled one of the church's busiest times of the year. Next year, I'll, find to try, I'll try to find a little more balance, or I can be busy and efficient and also take a bit better care of myself. It's not a world-shaking change. It's not a revelation that alters my life, but it is a reminder of where I want to be going. It's a course correction, if you will. And just like the Magi, whose story we hear traditionally on this day of the church year, it's easy to get a bit off course when, when you are following something as hard as a personal goal or a general idea. The story of the Magi that we see in Scripture involves them going along with their regular lives, one can presume, in their study of the stars, and then they notice a star that was foretold, and they know, and we don't know why, that they had to travel. Travel is an inexact science even now. I know most of the time I only have a vague idea of what direction I'm going or how I'm going to get there, both in life and I'm talking about on an actual road. When I uh, travel somewhere, I have a phone that dings me and tells me when I've missed something or when I have to go. When I was very young, I went out west with my grandparents, and my grandfather used to keep these big maps in his, in his car, and despite my navigation skills, we still made it there and back in, in one piece, at least. But it has to be infinitely more difficult to travel by star. I, I don't even understand how you actually travel, how you follow a star. How do you know when you get there is my big question. Is the star like directly above where you're going or does it like shine like a light pointing down at Mary and Joseph? I, I don't even understand how it's possible. I'm no scientist, but I do know that these uh, magi ended up getting lost and they ended up in the palace of a not so nice man named King Herod, a pretty evil man who in his attempt to keep power will do some terrible things just a few verses after meeting the magi and learning about the birth of Christ. Herod gives them directions to Bethlehem, and of course, asks them to come back and let him know who this Messiah child is. Not so that Herod can worship him, but that Herod can secure his life, his luxury, and his powerful position. The Magi meet Christ and his family and are warned in a dream not to return to Herod. So they take another way home. Herod still commits his atrocity, but Jesus and his family are able to flee as refugees to Egypt, a foreign country, and there's no indication that they knew anyone there or had ever traveled there or had family to stay with. All we know is that's where they ended up. The Magi needed a course correction, not a massive one, considering where they started vaguely to the east. They just needed a little nudge so that they could get back on course. And for us, as we said, the new year becomes a perfect time to figure out where that nudge. But what direction? What direction do I need to move? What direction do we need to go? 
Luckily, we have the whole of Christian tradition to help guide us. Plenty of scripture and so, so many books written by church leaders and pastors from their own time to all the way to centuries past. They can teach us where others have improved and where others have found rewarding Christian lives that are spiritually fulfilling. In Colossians 3, a small epistle in the New Testament, we see the outlining of behavior that this author believes will help distinguish Christians from people who are not following Christ. In a way, of course, that will help spread the gospel in the world. For the author of Colossians, just as Christ was born into the world, we are reborn and called to clothe ourselves in Christ just as Christ was swaddled and clothed by his mother. The author contends that clothing clothing ourselves in Christ includes living out a whole list of things that will distinguish us as new creations from ourselves as old creations. And here is our scripture, chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we're looking for a course correction, Can we find a way to take one of these things that our author lays out and asks us to close ourselves in? And can we improve one? Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. These are simple words most people know, but complex and difficult things to live in practice. There is no way that I consistently live into any of these values. Not not a one. But I also am not walking around stealing candy from small children and pulling fire alarms. There is a middle ground. Like most of us, a small course correction is needed. We are given a wide swath of area here, and they are all actions that we as individuals have the power to change in our own lives. We know what it looks like for us to be more compassionate, for us to be kinder. To offer the benefit of the doubt to people who we may have gotten out of the habit of giving the benefit of the doubt to. These actions require us to reach out towards our families and our neighbors and those in our community so that we may act more like Christ. Being humble and having patience are things that we can handle first internally. These are goals that we undertake in our own interpersonal and spiritual lives. And of course, they will affect how we outwardly act but they are an inward first and foremost change. They're cultivated through any action that leads us to find our place, not in grandeur, but in humbleness, like a savior born in a manger in a small, poor town called Bethlehem.
The author here understands that some of us are better at outward expressions and growth, and others are better at working on our inward selves. They also understand that we need both, and we all need to improve both to live a life fully in Christ. The final two attributes the author points out in this section are elevated above the others. While we are encouraged to increase humbleness, patience, kindness, and meekness, peace is an attribute that we are asked to let rule in our hearts. Peace is a huge aspect of Advent. It's one of the four weeks and a highly valued attribute throughout all of Christian history. Early Christians rejected many of the revolutionaries and those who would call them to violence throughout the first few centuries. Many early Christians, as we know, were arrested, killed, and robbed of their property and of their rights. And they fought back with prayer, with radical hospitality to others, and through a continued devotion to spreading a message of peace. This was very much an outward effort of peace, but I can't imagine the peacefulness inside, the self-discipline, to look out on those who want to harm you, and choosing instead of trying to save yourself or to pick up a sword and fight back, to do nothing but pray for those who attack you. Colossians was likely written at the beginning of these persecutions. And the author doesn't tell the Colossians how to avoid that persecution, but instead how to face it. Our life will hopefully never be as violent as those of the early Christians. Our lives are filled with moments where we can decide to react peacefully or violently. Colossians reminds us that Christ's way is one of peace and that it rejects any violence or force done to dehumanize or defame others. The final attribute here is love. The focus of the fourth week of Advent, and many would argue the encapsulation of all of Christ's teachings. Love, like peace, is both an inward and an outward action that may require practice for us. And that inner voice we speak to ourselves in whether it be about ourselves or about others, can be a huge roadblock to finding love in our own personal lives. Finding inner love for me is probably more difficult than finding outward love. I may be able to buy angel tree gifts, to offer to help someone to go to Princeton and clean up rubble, but it's finding that love for others that becomes hard. Finding inner love, both for ourselves and for our neighbors, to me, is a greater challenge. One of the verses I quote continuously in youth ministry is that love covers a multitude of sins from 1 Peter chapter 4. It's a simple concept, but one that I really believe can instill in our students and in ourselves a value that will make our faith walk easier. This verse offers us a freedom, those who seek to do good in the world. The world is murky and complicated. I think that's pretty much easy to understand. Look at our politics. Look at our social interactions, our communities that we live in. All of those are complex and complicated and oftentimes frustrating. Anyone who pretends that things aren't complicated or complex are usually just ignoring the issues to whatever community they belong to. But if our first and foremost question is, is this action loving or is this thought Loving, or is supporting this person the most loving thing I can do at this moment? If we can ask ourselves these things, our world may stay complex, but our navigation of that world becomes just a bit simpler. The Magi showed their commitment to peace and love in their final action. 
We see them decide, instead of buying political power and getting a really strong ally and just sacrificing the weak and the poor family they had just met, they decide to go against the order of a king. A risky proposition, no matter the century you live in. So they return home. They save Jesus and his family, but the evil of the world still exists. Many others die because of the actions of the evil King Herod, but Christ and his family escape. The Magi lived out their call. Much like the early Christians, even in the face of impossible odds and inevitable outcomes, they followed the call of God. They trusted their principles towards peace and love and therefore risked their own lives to save Christ and let him fulfill his ministry on earth. So as we go, how can we exhibit peace and love? How can we come out of Christmas and remind the world of the relevance and the love of Christ and Christ's church? Right now, we have quite possibly the most tangible way to promote the good things that we discussed in Colossians 3. We're living in a community that's been devastated by disaster. There have already been a ton of opportunities to show the values of this scripture. But of course, there will be more. As Kara mentioned the Sunday after the tornado, that we are living in a marathon, not a sprint. We are currently housing workers here. We are offering volunteer opportunities when we hear about them. And we, as a whole community, have shown that we can adapt to new needs and new challenges that will rise up in the coming weeks and months. The great teacher, prophet, theologian, and one of my own personal heroes, Mr. Rogers, said this. When I was a boy, I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. When I look around this room, I see helpers. People who have shown up at devastated homes. Folks who have prepared meals and prepared our church to house workers and serve our community. Folks who sang carols to bring joy in a time where it was needed. And I see people who, for whatever reason, can only pray for those who are affected. No matter how you help, you are helping. I see helpers when I look around. I see people who personify the Christmas story. I see helpers who have met Christ, who have made a course correction somewhere along the way, and are now looking to live their lives as people who are changed. So in the new year, my prayer is that we all find a bit of course correction. Find ways, both internal and external, to show love, live with peace reigning in our hearts, and to find new ways or remember old ways to show compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Where are we going? I'm not 100% sure, but I sure am excited to get there.